Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for this latest edition of the Freire and Smith podcast. We're going to talk some Sunbelt football in a moment, but before we do, we wanted to remind you about our last episode. Caden and I continued our defensive previews ahead of the 2023 season by shining the spotlight on the league's dynamic linebacker core. If you haven't already, make sure to go and give that episode a listen. Today, though, on episode 88 of the show, we're excited to welcome Louisiana Athletic Director Brian Maggard to the Frary and Smith podcast as we wrap up our Decision Maker series, a series that we've used to help shine the spotlight on the leaders at the forefront of the ever-evolving world of college athletics. Caden, this series has become amongst our favorites since starting the show, whether it was Doug Gillen at App State, Jared Banco at Georgia Southern, or even Jeff Bourne. At James Madison, we've continued to get a clearer picture of college athletics over the last several episodes. Definitely. I think one of my bigger takeaways now that we have a couple of these under our belt is just seeing the similarities and differences of how these different athletic directors run their programs. And I think really the similarities and some of their viewpoints on the conference and the college football and college sports landscape as a whole just really kind of gives me more security. And it's more of like a warm blanket feeling when you just know that all of these programs that are so near and dear to us are in great hands and have great leaders at the top that have great vision moving forward. So super exciting again to have another great conversation. Hey, we all know you love your security blanket, but a little bit more on uh, Brian Maggard. He took over the Louisiana Athletic Department in 2017 after a 20 plus year career at the University of Missouri. During his time at the helm of this program, though, he has helped transform Louisiana into one of the premier powers in the Sun Belt. He's overseen one of the most successful eras in Ragin' Cajun's athletic history, an era that has seen the men's basketball team advance to the NCAA tournament, baseball and softball making NCAA regionals and even super regionals, as well as the football team securing the first ever outright Sun Belt championship while appearing in five consecutive bowl games. Not only has the success been seen on the field, but also off of it as evidenced by record fundraising totals, including nearly $30 million in the 2021-22 year, along with a continued emphasis on community service, a category that this Raging Cajuns athletic department has led the Sun Belt in over the past two years. This past year, Brian helped lead the Raging Cajuns athletic department to a first place finish amongst Sun Belt schools in the Learfield Directors' Cup standings. Brian continues to provide forward-thinking leadership at Louisiana during the dynamic period in the history of college athletics. Caden, there's a conversation in our Decision Maker series. They've not disappointed, and this interview with Brian Magger didn't either. Give our listeners just a quick preview of what they're going to hear from Brian in this interview. Per usual, we touched it all with Brian. We talked about some of his hiring philosophies. We talked about the football program, past, present, and future. We talked about those overarching issues like name, image, likeness, and the transfer portal. And at the end, you might get also a little couple few restaurant recommendations if you find yourself in Louisiana. So without further ado, let's get to our interview with Louisiana Athletic Director Brian Maggard. Well, we are really excited to have Louisiana Athletic Director Brian Maggard on the show. Brian, thanks for taking some time out of your schedule. It's my pleasure. It's good to be with you guys. Well, let's jump right into this conversation. And Brian, prior to coming to Louisiana in 2017, you had been at Missouri for over 20 years. Uh, You wore many hats during your tenure there that included overseeing things like athletic dining, even multimedia rights, and really everything in between. What would you say was your biggest takeaway from those 22 years there that has now helped benefit you as you've transitioned into your role at Louisiana? You know, I did. I, I, no, I came up a little bit in an unorthodox way. Um, 
to become the AD, most athletics directors, not all, but certainly I think the majority kind of come up through the external side of the house, uh, overseeing development and marketing and, you know, ticket sales and the revenue generation components. And I came up more through the internal side, uh, student services, um, athletic performance, uh, working very closely uh, with our head coaches in sport oversight and things like that. So I think ultimately what it did, although I've never coached before, uh, I worked in a lot of areas and oversaw a lot of areas. It allowed me to really work closely with head coaches and, and assistant coaches. And I think that um, got me about as close as I could get to coaches without actually being a coach myself and really understanding you know, what it is that they're up against day in and day out, the challenges, the uh, certainly the um, successes and things of that nature. I also was able to really work closely with student athletes, you know, like you said, whether it was overseeing um, dining hall, dining services, the weight room, sports medicine, academic support, et cetera. So really got to work uh, very closely with our student athlete populations and, uh, again, understand the day-to-day challenges and the day-to-day uh, expectations that were put on them. And I think those two things, as much as anything else, really helped position me to adopt a philosophy that you know, if I were to ever run an athletics department, I wanted to be very coach and student athlete centric, uh, understanding that both of those entities are the absolute um, bloodline, if you will, of a successful athletics department. Then on the topic of coaches, Brian, you've athletic directors are often judged by the hires they make, whether that's Christy Gray with volleyball, Matt Deggs with baseball, Jerry Glasgow with softball, most recently Mike Desermo with the football program. You've had to make your fair share of hires during your tenure. Looking back on those what traits did you kind of prioritize through that process when you're looking for that coach for your specific different athletic programs you have within your program? Yeah, now it's a good question. I think, you know, first and foremost, for me, it, it doesn't matter what the sport is. I look for the same characteristics throughout. And, and the first being, um, to the best of my ability, trying to uh, determine that they have the ability to build positive relationships with their student athletes. I'm a firm believer that, you know, Today, more than ever, um, student athletes crave that uh, relationship uh, with their head coach. And I think if a coach is able to do that, you can get a young man or young woman to run through a wall for you. And so building positive relationships uh, is first and foremost, I I try to look for. Uh, Secondly, I want uh, somebody who is a proven winner. And they don't have to have been a head coach before, but they have to know what winning looks like. And so whether they're, you know, they come from an assistant coach position from a winning program or whatever that may be, they need to know what winning looks like at a high level. Third, I always look for relentless recruiters, people who uh, will go out and, you know, turn over those rocks to find the student athletes that most people, you know, might walk past. Uh, Because certainly, you know, at Louisiana, you know, we're going to have to work very hard in the recruiting process to, uh, to outwork our opponents and to ultimately have success over them. So a relentless recruiter is, is a third aspect. Um, and then lastly, but by no means in, in, in last order, you know, the, the coaches need to prioritize the academic success of our student athletes. And it doesn't mean that they have to, you know, recruit 4.0 students or 3.0 students all the time, but the coaches have to message throughout their programs the importance of both getting an education and receiving your degree. And I always look at those as two separate things. You know, when you come to college, you're going to get an education, but you may not graduate. I get that. But uh, we want student athletes to come here, get an education, and let that culminate into a degree. 
And those are the characteristics I look for primarily, uh, making sure that uh, all of our coaches fit that mold to the best I can. Yeah, Brian, I love that perspective. I've had an opportunity, you know, to interact with several of your head coaches. I think of Jerry Glasgow, Christy Gray, and others, uh, and they've all been what you've said. So I think that's some neat perspective. This past year, though, Louisiana, you guys finished atop the Sunbelt Conference in the Learfield Directors' Cup standings. It came after numerous conference championships and several strong results in the NCAA tournament. What does this recognition say about the overall strength of this Raging Cajuns athletic department? Well, I just think ultimately, you know, the, the Learfield Directors' Cup is an industry-wide metric, you know, that uh, in essence displays the success of your athletics programs and you know, to finish a top uh, in a program as strong as a Sun Belt, you know, something we're very proud of. We don't take it lightly. You know, actually, it's somewhat of a humbling um, acknowledgement, in my opinion, because, again, we have 14 programs in this conference that are very, very good at what they do, in my opinion. And, and so to finish a tops is just something that, you know, we can certainly be very proud of, but um, continue to work to keep achieving that particular honor. Because, again, if you can do that in a Sun Belt conference, in my opinion, you know, as an athletics program, you're heading in the right direction from a success standpoint. Definitely a good sign and a huge honor. And we'll talk more about this recent football season in a moment. But let's talk about that special 2021 year. It's safe to say that was the best season in school history. You run the Sunbelt title outright against me. I was on the App State team, so that hurt. And it was at home. Was right? At home, 13-1 and season. You had a big bowl win to end the year. That team was no doubt special on the field. I can definitely speak firsthand to how special that team was on the field. But could you talk about maybe the impact that season had off the field and that aspect of the entire community and just them being able to rally around that team? Yeah, you know, first of all, Caden, congratulations to, to you and App State. You talk about a, a program that I know myself and at the time Coach Napier looked at as kind of the gold standard within the Sun Belt. That was App State. And, um, you know, for us to, to be able to overtake a program like that, I think that was a, a huge, huge um, statement for our program in terms of achievement. Um, but I think ultimately to your point, um, you know, that season in particular in the sport of football with 13 wins, running off 12 straight victories after an opening loss to Texas, um, I, I think it just like athletics does often, it was a, it was a pride builder. Right. It, it instilled pride in a community. I think for us internally and even externally, I think it showed what Louisiana athletics can and should be. Right. We, we know that we uh, uh, are located in a very um, fruitful uh, area in terms of athletic talent, if you will. And so I think what that showed all of us is, again, what we can be, what we um, can achieve year in and year out. Uh, but at the same time, I think it instilled a lot of pride in our community and certainly our university. Yeah, some great, again, perspective there. I think, you know, when your football team is winning, fans come out and uh, everyone has a ton of fun. Let's talk, though, about this past season. Uh, prior to the year, it was announced that Michael Desermo would be uh, taking over after Billy Napier departs for Florida. Uh, fans were very familiar with that name. He's always been known for kind of his offensive prowess. What went into that process and why did you ultimately decide that Michael Desermo was the right man to lead Louisiana football in this new era? Yeah, yeah it's a good question. And I think, you know, I'll start. I think there, there's a, there could be a small faction of people out there who thought that maybe that was an easy hire. I, I took the easy way out, right? Just stand internally. But I'll, I'll tell you, contrarily, it was probably the most difficult decision to make 
uh, in the sense that I knew that, you know, this program would be highly sought after uh, from a job standpoint. I had a tremendous amount of external interest. Um, certainly, you know, Mike and I spoke uh, and he was very interested as an internal candidate. So I, I probably spent as much time vetting Mike internally as I did externally. And by that, you know, we as Coach Napier transitioned out, that was the first year of the transfer portal. Right. And so we had already had students enter that, some really good, talented athletes jump in the portal. So a part of, of my job was to also manage the roster as I made a hire. And so I spent a lot of time uh, speaking with well over half of the football student athletes and trying to get their insights on both what it was they're looking for in a head coach and then asking directly about Mike Desimo. And to a man, the, the most common word that they used was love. They knew that Mike Desimo loved them as, a, as people first and then as players. Uh, that guy owned the locker room. It was amazing the amount of respect and support that he had from this football team. And certainly that's not what you make your only decision on, but that was a big box uh, for me to get checked in that, that first characteristics, coaches who are able to build positive relationships with their student athletes. This was probably the first hire that I had the inside scoop and, and access to student athletes to determine that particular characteristic. And then, uh, you know, I looked at his recruiting ability. I mean, the man owns the state of Louisiana when it comes to relationships with high school coaches. They love him. Um, he's very well respected and he's got a tremendous evaluation eye. Um, you know, I got uh, sat down with Coach Napier before he left and really picked his brain about Mike. And he said, absolutely, Mike's ready to run a program, <clears throat> you know, Mike, as coach told me, coach Napier told me, you know, Mike always, you know, kind of set to Billy's right, you know, in their staff meetings. And he said, he just always took copious notes and was somebody who was just, you know, a sponge when it comes to, to learning. Um, and then, you know, finally, you know, Mike saw what winning looked like at a high level here, right? Now he saw what didn't work, you know, uh, during his time here on a previous staff, but he did have the uh, four years of uh, experience knowing what winning can and should look like at Louisiana. So he, he was fortunate. He didn't have to go away to get that. It came to him. And so all those things said, and then at the end of the day, I can tell you there, there wasn't a football coach in America who wanted this job. And Mike is somebody who I guess, I, you know, I'll never try to predict the future, but he wants to be here. He wants to get this program pumping on the cylinders that we had back in 2020, 21, et cetera, because we know what we can do here. And certainly now with the expanded playoff uh, in 24 and being in such a strong conference as the Sun Belt, we really believe that we can be a contender for an playoff spot. So that's kind of it, you know, long-winded response. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, Mike checked all the boxes and he continued to just kind of rise to the top as I looked at and spoke to other candidates and then came back to Mike and, and things like that. No, that's a great answer and really appreciate that perspective. I feel like from the outside looking in, people definitely view internal hires as kind of just the easy give me approach. Like it's just right there and easy to access. But you even asking the players, I know it's something that doesn't happen a lot in the country. So hats off to you for just vetting that process and finding your guy that checked all those boxes you were talking about before. But Coach Des and this team had a good start to the season, had a couple heartbreaking losses to Louisiana Monroe and South Alabama to start the season. And then the team responds with perhaps the biggest win of the season over Marshall in front of a nationally televised audience. Why do you think this team specifically was so good at responding to adversity this season? 
Yeah, you know, that's a great question. You know, I think I'll start with um, maybe why we didn't win, you know, eight, nine, ten games, right, uh, versus responding the way we did. And, you know, what people don't realize is we lost 45 scholarship players in the transition with Coach Napier from uh, graduation to the draft to the portal to some academic casualties we had. So Mike really was starting over in essence, in essence, not in all positions. And certainly we did have some quality returners coming back, but we, we lost 45 scholarship student athletes. And so we were playing with a very young uh, roster. We had a lot of first time starters, et cetera. So I think, you know, maybe, and I don't have a complete answer to this, but maybe, you know, at times we, we thought we would win or we just expected to win as opposed to having to go out and earn it. And so uh, taking nothing away with the, with the teams that beat us, certainly, um, because I do think the Sun Belt got better, you know, over these since Coach Napier had been here. But um, I am proud, Caden, your point of the resilience that this young team did show uh, because, you know, we'd lose a couple games that we probably shouldn't have lost. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, we'll come back and, and we'll win a big game or two. And uh, it seems like when we had to win, we did. You know, I would also say that win at home against Georgia Southern was really big for us because uh, it put us in contention to then go into our last game against um, Texas State and become bowl eligible. Right. And that was another big win for us because we knew that that was going to be a team that was going to play with a lot of emotion knowing that that was probably going to be their bowl game and they you know, were playing potentially for their coach's job and or his last, his last uh, game as a head coach at Texas State. And the way our guys responded in that sitting, we went in and dominated that game as well. So certainly very proud of. And then, you know, again, we, we had every chance to beat Houston, you know, in the Independence Bowl. And once again, a pretty depleted roster. I think we had three true defensive linemen playing, and then we were kind of doing some makeshift some other guys in that position. So at the end of the day, I think we just wore down. But, um, you know, I think it's a team that responded when they had to. I think it's a team who absolutely grew and learned a lot, learned a lot you know, from that experience. And I'm very excited to bring a roster back that's got that year of experience under their belt, uh, along with some transfers coming in, who I think can plug some holes. So hopefully, you know, we'll get back to where we were in the past few seasons and continue to uh, – be a top of the Sunbelt. Brian, you mentioned uh, ending the season at a bowl game, and that has become the standard at Louisiana. You guys have played in five consecutive bowl games, including that Independence Bowl game against Houston that you mentioned. That game didn't end the way that the program had hoped, but some have kind of called into question the number of bowl games in college football. But I wanted to ask, from your vantage point, what do bowl appearances like that uh, do for a program like Louisiana? Well, I think first and foremost, it allows you that additional practice time, right? So for your young guys, you know, they're getting a little bit more practice time in. And Caden can speak to this, you know, from a player's perspective, I'm sure. But I think that is a big part of it. You know, you get more reps, you get more practice, things like that. Uh, but two, it's just the exposure, right? It's the ability to to say that you are one of the teams, you know, in the country that's going to go to postseason play um, and the ability to be on national television you know, that one last time and that exposure for your program. And then certainly if you can pull out a victory in that bowl game, you know, you end that season on a really positive championship note. And you kind of touched on this earlier, Brian, when we know that that six and second seven record from last season is not what you've come to expect in Louisiana from the last couple of seasons. Could you maybe give us your assessment of how Coach Des did, did this season with kind of that depleted roster, with battling some of that adversity and maybe shed some light on some of the conversations y'all might have had this offseason as you both 
kind of work towards getting towards that championship caliber of football heading into this upcoming season? Yeah, well, first of all, uh, hats off to Mike, because I think he did a tremendous job coaching and and his coaching leadership is what I was really proud of this year. He, he kept that locker room and staff together because there are a lot of times, again, when you when you go over and you drop a game to Rice and then you follow that with a, a loss at ULM, you know, those are pretty devastating losses, you know, for a program that just came off of a 13-win season. But Mike's leadership and his ability to keep both his staff positive and his locker room positive and week in and week out, get guys to continue to grind, continue to fight, uh, and, and find ways to win games. I was really, really proud of that level of leadership that a first-year head coach uh, displayed. And that, to me, reinforced, you know, the selection of him leading our program. I think, though, um, you know, again, it was a team that, uh, although maybe in years past they they expected to win and we found ways to win, if you look back, and Mike and I spent a lot of time talking about this, when you look back to that 13-win uh, season, I think eight or more of those games were one possession victories, right? And so we were potentially dominating the Sun Belt in the win column, but we weren't necessarily dominating the individual games. You know, I look back at Arkansas State, that was a program, that was a game where I think we had to keep an eight-minute drive going in the fourth quarter to seal the game and prevent Arkansas State from getting the, the ball one more time. I think we, we won by one point, you know, there. And we had many, many other you know, victories like that where, you know, we just had to grind it out uh, and, and get the get the W. But I think, um, you know, at the end of the season, uh, I know Mike and I sat down, you know, for probably about half a day one uh, one morning. And, and we just talked about, you know, what we think he thinks we need moving forward and, you know, what we can do to position him. And at the end of the day, you know, the conversations really centered around the roster, roster management, recruiting, um, you know, things of that nature. Uh, and uh, again, that conversation continued to reinforce my decision in hiring the guy. He's extremely, extremely intelligent, um, certainly both inside and outside of football. But the man knows the game very well. Uh, his his recruiting evaluation just continues to to impress me. And so we just talked a lot about you know what are we going to do in certain position areas and. You know, we had some kids go into the portal. How are we going to respond to that from a recruitment standpoint, from an existing player standpoint, et cetera, et cetera. So I felt very good and I continue to feel very good, you know, about the direction of our program. And then I know that right now, you know, I, I talk weekly at least with uh, both coach and uh, our strength staff just to kind of get updates on how the, how the summer training is going. And it sounds like our guys are working extremely hard, maybe having the best summer ever. We've tweaked some things in that area as well. I think to better prepare us, um, you know, for the type of season we want to have versus just doing it the way we did back when Coach Napier was here going into Mike's first season. So the evaluation process is there. Mike is very astute. His staff is. And uh, I think we're going to see uh, an improved ball club going into 2023. That's some good stuff. And transitioning and pivoting to some of the overarching topics that cover kind of the entirety of the college athletics landscape, like we like to talk about with people that are in your shoes in the Sunbelt. It's been widely talked about on this podcast and nationally that college football and college athletics as a whole are really going through a huge transformative period right now. We've seen the addition of the transfer portal, name, image, and likeness, multiple rounds of conference realignment. For you, what's been the biggest challenge you face as an athletic director during this period of so much change? For sure, you know, a program that like ours that has had, you know, a lot of talent on the roster, certainly the portal, 
is one that you've got to stay mindful of all the time. You know, we have had some young men enter the portal. Um, and so, you know, you just got to be mindful of that. And, and I always tell people, you know, when they ask me, hey, what do you do as an AD? When I sum it up, I do two things. I manage situations and I manage expectations. And the whole portal piece is one of those elements that requires you to manage expectations and manage situations. You know, often, you know, your fan bases will think the sky is falling, you know, if a young man or young woman enters a portal. And, and often that's not the case. Most of the time it's not, right? Because not, no one person is going to make or break your program. But the perception is, is that, you know, we are, we are a farm league and people are just going to continue to pluck away the talent. And uh, granted, that may happen, you know, on occasion, but at the end of the day, you know, we're going to be just fine. You know, the porteth, the portal taketh and the portal giveth, I would say. And so, you know, if and when somebody leaves, we're going to go replace that individual, either from a high school or junior college recruit or a, or a portal uh, player themselves. So I think that's certainly one that's uh, it's just real. Um, the other thing, again, is NIL, right, you know, with the um, formulation of collectives, particularly at the power five level, um, you know, I think there's constant pressure for those of us, you know, within the Sunbelt and, and other uh, programs like us to start a collective and get things going in that space. I don't think we'll ever, you know, have the seven figure collectives that, you know, your power five schools do, but I do think if we can, you know, maintain $250,000, $500,000 a year in that space, we can do uh, both some retention of current players as well as maybe use it for recruitment, you know, within select sports as well. Yeah, certainly some big challenges that that you are having to, you know, walk through during this era. Uh, another big piece of news this past year in the Sun Belt was the addition of, of several new teams. And I think one of the things that has been under-talked about a little bit has been that it was several well-funded schools that were added during this most recent round of college realignment, most notably schools like James Madison, Old Dominion. Louisiana has consistently been kind of in the middle of the pack in terms of revenue generation. What are some of the ways that you and your athletic department are trying to get creative and employing to maybe grow the overall revenue and help shrink that gap? Well, I think first and foremost, we just need to make sure that the, uh, the traditional streams of revenue generation are pumping on all cylinders. And we haven't really done that here for a while. And that is uh, fundraising and ticket sales. Uh, we did an analysis a while back, and we're one of, I think, maybe two schools in the current Sun Belt that doesn't have an outbound ticket sales team. So we're, we're looking hard at that and finding ways. How can we uh, enhance our ticket sale revenue stream to make sure that we are uh, not just casting the net in terms of renewals and hoping people come in, but we're getting much more proactive and going out and selling tickets, whether it be corporate sales, group sales, and things like that. That's something we have to do to to survive in, in this day and age of college athletics and then getting staffed up on the, uh, on the fundraising side. Uh, we have a great new leader uh, within our RCF. His name is Trey Frazier. He's our deputy AD. He's our chief revenue officer. And uh, Trey has come in has really done some analyses to, to position us to do much better in both fundraising and ticket sales. So I'm very excited about what the future can hold there for us uh, in that space. And then again, like I said, you know, we're, we're looking hard at that collective piece, right? Uh, probably through the formulation of a LLC and uh, seeing what we can do to, you know, be competitive within our league in that space without cannibalizing annual fund giving and, and major gifts and things like that. That's one of the biggest challenges, I think. You know, we ADs in the Sunbelt and the American and 
Conference USA, Mountain West, et cetera, have is not cannibalizing your fundraising with um, collectives and NIL. Staying on the topic of fundraising in the 2021-2022 athletic year was the most successful fundraising year for your department in their history. And you and your staff collected $30 million through different efforts. Several other ADs have spoken on this podcast about how critical fundraising is and the role it plays. What would you say has been the key to success for Louisiana when it comes to bringing in that amount of money? Well, first and foremost, there's no doubt winning helps, right? I think you have to win and, and show people that what they're investing in is worthwhile. Um, you know, certainly when you have uh, capital projects out in front that you're trying to promote and build is, is another key reason why we were able to have so much success. You know, we're in the process of designing a $65 million Cajun field football renovation project. Um, we also have on the books, we want to raise another $6 million for Russo Park and baseball to build a clubhouse uh, and offices for our coaching staff have about a $3 million uh, capital project for our tennis complex or renovate that. Uh, And then um, we have some smaller ones, about a $500,000 project to renovate uh, some space at our softball stadium uh, for our student athletes, new locker room, new media room, things of that nature. Uh, Getting ready to build an office suite uh, for our women's basketball staff at the Cajun Dome. So we need to furnish that. So all in all, you know, we're probably looking at, you know, close to, 75 to 80 million dollars worth of capital projects that I'd sure like to see get done, you know, during my tenure here as the athletics director. But Caden, to your your point, you know, having those types of things that people can closely almost touch and see um, to invest in helps a lot. Right. But the other thing that we need to do here at at UL is to make sure that we grow our annual fund. Uh, And that's those monies that people typically give, you know, that are transactional. They, they give because they want to park in a certain location or sit in a certain location at a venue. And that is often tied into ticketing and ticket sales. So as I mentioned earlier, we've got to get our ticketing upgraded. We've got to do uh, better in terms of staffing for development so we can maximize our, our success that we've had, particularly over the five years in all of our ticket sports. When you think about it, you know, football, men's basketball, baseball, and softball, right? Those four ticketed sports have been pretty darn successful the past five years. And so we have seen when we do an analysis that really attendance and ticket revenue is relatively flat. In other words, you would think that as you have the success we've had these past five years, you would see some pretty good growth in that. And and we've been relatively flat. So we've been studying that very hard. We've been talking with our campus leadership on things that we can and need to do to uh, improve in those areas. And uh, I think you're going to see us here in the not too distant future develop some plans to change up what we're doing a little bit to better uh, maximize the success our sport teams are having. Well, Brian, I certainly love listening to leaders uh, with vision and basically everything you just explained is a a clear vision for the future of Louisiana athletics. We've got just two questions left. And one of the things that Louisiana, you guys from the onset have been at the cutting edge uh, in terms of name, image, and likeness. Uh, You've partnered with Open Doors and the Brander Group to provide more opportunities uh, for your student athletes. But one piece that I think hasn't been talked about a lot is you launched the Ultra program, which has been focused on kind of educating student athletes about this new space. Why was that uh, such a priority for your administration in terms of educating your student athletes on NIL? Well, you know, it was twofold, your point, Noah. One, we wanted to educate, and two, we wanted to provide a, an avenue for them to 
to have opportunities in that NIL space. Um, but we just felt like, you know, partnering with a with an organization like Ultra would allow, one, our student-athletes to get those opportunities, but two, it would also be a recruiting tool for our coaches. So when they're sitting down with young men and young women and their families, we could talk them through what we do for our student-athletes in the NIL space. But I think education is key, right? I mean, I think student-athletes today absolutely need to understand that if and when they receive some income through an NIL deal, that, hey, part of that money goes to Uncle Sam, right? Make sure that you're putting monies back for that. And two, how can you... You know, if you're fortunate enough to get a, a decent sum of money consistently, how are you going to manage that, right? Are you going to, what are you going to do with those funds? And how can you use those opportunities to maybe set yourself up for a little bit longer than maybe just going out and spending it, you know, very quickly? So we just also felt like uh, part of Ultra was uh, a bit on marketing education. We wanted to position our student athletes to learn how to better market themselves uh, for not just one opportunity, but for several opportunities down the line. So I think like with just about anything, education is key. You've got to start with making sure that the student athletes really understand what it is they can and should be doing in the space of NIL. You've got to help them understand the taxation side of it. And um, But we also just want to make sure that we position them to not only maybe go out and get one or two NIL deals, but to really set themselves up and, you know, from a marketing standpoint, go out and get multiple. Last question we'll leave you with here, Brian, and this was a must ask for me and Noah. Those who follow you on social media know that you eat your fair share of local cuisine in Lafayette. And to be honest, it looks delicious. It were definitely some of those pictures made me regret not sneaking out for an away game and maybe grabbing a bite. But could you give us a quick eating guide and some recommendations if we do find ourselves in town for a football game? Absolutely. I mean, there's first of all, you want to come in a few days ahead. Don't just come in the day before because there's not enough time. But, you know, I mean, the neat thing about the local cuisine here is that uh, what I find is that the local restaurants, you know, are so much better than the chains, right? But you've got, so whether you like Italian, Marcello's is a fantastic Italian restaurant here. Um, you've got uh, places like Don Seafood on Johnson Street. You just run a really good Cajun meal with some seafood flair to it. That's fantastic. Um, uh, Judy's Inn, you know, I'd be remiss if you want just a good cheeseburger. Uh, and a bag of chips and a, and a Dr. Pepper. That's what my go-to there. It's a, it's a long-time favorite uh, here. Um, there's a couple of uh, Bonton Grill, really great Cajun cuisine. And those same owners opened up a restaurant uh, recently. It's called Whiskey and Vine. It's a, it's a jazz restaurant uh, where they have live jazz every evening and tremendous food there. Um, Charlie G's, a little, little bit maybe higher end restaurant, but tremendous food selection there. Uh, and I could go on, you could drive south to a community called Abbeville and go to a seafood place called Shucks. We can get some really, really good oysters. Uh, go north just a little bit. Uh, and there's a restaurant called the Sunset Grill. Um, yeah, oh, excuse me, it's called Cafe Josephine's in Sunset. My bad. Uh, but Cafe Josephine's is another tremendous local restaurant. Gosh, I could go on and on. We should have started with that question, but um, <laughs> here's the thing about Louisiana and particularly Southern Louisiana. Um, you know, the culture here is real. The people are very genuine and they're very relational. Um, they give you the shirt off their back, but also if you break their trust, it's hard to earn it back. And so you want to make sure that you're just genuine yourself. Um, you need to be relational yourself. But uh, I tell you what, I, I countless times where people, you know, have invited us over for food, beverage, and just, you know, good time. And 
Um, that's that's just a, a staple here uh, in Lafayette, Louisiana. So very honored to be in the position I'm in. Uh, certainly, you know, these jobs are, are very hard to get, but I've got a really good one because I've got a great boss, first and foremost, and Dr. Savoy. Uh, we have tremendous support. Uh, like I said, you know, we are, we're in a location where athletic, athletic talent is abundant. And so, you know, my job is fairly simple in that I need to make sure that I hire really good coaches who will surround themselves with good assistants and go out and get, you know, many of the quality of student athletes that are in this area. And if you do those things, have a great staff surrounding them and supporting them. And like I said, keeping a very coach and student athlete centric mindset for your department. I think the future will continue to be bright for the Raging Cajuns. Well, Brian, we certainly appreciate your time. Appreciate that list of uh, restaurant recommendations. That is the best list that we have gotten in a podcast interview since we started this thing. So thank you for that. I'm still waiting yeah, for my many, personal. Many too. <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting for my personal invite to one of these uh, watch parties that you guys do with the crawfish boils. I uh, I'm, I'm planning on yeah, making absolutely. that happen. Yeah, we'll do for sure. But Brian, thank you so much for your time. Enjoy the rest of your summer, and looking forward to uh, the football season ahead. Yeah, likewise. You'll, I'm sure we'll see you guys around and. Uh, Appreciate you taking the time to visit with me and appreciate what you guys are doing across the board for the Sun Belt and, and the way you do it. Thank you. Man, Caden, what a fun interview there. And I will start with some thoughts on where we finished. And that is those restaurant recommendations that Brian left us with. I am ready to make the trip down to Lafayette. I don't know about you. Yeah, he talked about how good of a recruiter that Coach Dez is, and I just really hope that the restaurant scene in Louisiana has been a recruiting tool, because I know as a young high schooler, hearing about the different seafood options, the different food options would have definitely convinced me maybe possibly to go to Louisiana. Yeah, certainly. It would have uh, convinced me if I had any athletic ability. But, Kane, <laughs> what a great conversation there. I thought it was uh, fascinating to kind of hear more about that process that went into hiring Michael Desermo and Kane, you even brought up the point. It's oftentimes looked at as the easy route to hire internally, but Brian really gave a resounding answer to why Michael Desermo was the right person to lead Louisiana at this time. Yeah, I have to say that was probably my favorite nugget of the entire conversation, just being someone who's been in a program that has a ton of coach turnover, hearing somebody who's actually kind of went deeper into figuring out internally if that's the right person for the job, talking to the student athletes. I just know how much and how important it is to get that student athlete input when it comes to hiring. And it's not something you see at every level. I know when we hired Coach Clark, it was someone that we heavily endorsed within the program. But you know, across other programs, it's not as commonly seen. So it's good to hear that. And I think moving forward, whatever hires they have to make in whatever sport, I feel like they're going to be in good hands when they have a guy like Brian Maggard at the helm who has those key philosophies and those pillars that he kind of stands on. And then also hears the input of the other people, the student athletes as well. Okay. And I also thought it was particularly fascinating, just the conversations re uh, revolving around revenue and fundraising and, and different ways that Louisiana is trying to position themselves in this uh, really loaded sunbelt at this point. Yeah, definitely. That's been one of the areas I feel like I wasn't as well versed in before this topic, but hearing about just the different revenue generations, the ticket sales and the different challenges that come with being in different locations and specifically being in Louisiana and the challenges that come with that and how Brian's combating that and still keeping all of his programs really at a high clip is amazing to see and very much looking forward to seeing as NIL and some of these other different things get introduced into the fold with college athletics, how they can specifically maybe lean into their strengths and continue to grow through revenue in other areas. Yeah, certainly excited to see the future of that program as it continues to grow. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of the Frarian Smith podcast. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to Louisiana Athletic Director Brian Maggard, as well as their Associate Athletic Director Evan Roberts for helping make today's conversation possible. 
Before you go, though, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the Prairie and Smith podcast on Wednesday, July 12th. We're going to be wrapping up our Sunbelt position previews ahead of the 2023 football season. We're planning to take a closer look at one of Caden's favorite position groups, the defensive back position in the league that features multiple likely NFL draft picks. That'll do it for us here at the Prairie and Smith podcast. As always, if you like today's episode, please take a moment to like, rate, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and the show out. We're going to continue to be here over the final months of the offseason, keeping you up to date with all the latest happenings from around the Sun Belt. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Frary. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>